Hello, I'm Liam Bailey. I'm head of research at Knight Frank. Now, it's budget day in the UK on Wednesday. And in this edition of Intelligence Talks, I'm delighted to introduce you to three leading real estate commentators, Flora Harley, Tom Bill and Ollie Knight. We're going to delve into the key announcements from this week's budget. Welcome to you all. Hi, Liam. Hi, Liam. Hi, Liam. Flora, let's start with you. Let's think about the economic context. So let's leave the budget for a second. What did the OBR tell us about the outlook for the economy, inflation rates, growth, etc.? Well, I think the big message from the OBR is that they no longer expect us to witness a technical recession. So they've upgraded their forecasts and expect a contraction of GDP of 0.2% in 2023, whereas back in November, they were forecasting a 1.6% contraction. So that's quite an uplift and a a much more positive outlook for the economy. I think it's sort of in line with what other forecasters are saying, which is around a 0.4% contraction. So There's a lot of positivity and we've seen that echoed in a lot of recent economic news. So overall, we're expecting, you know, a shallower downturn and no technical recession, as it were, which is two negative quarters of growth. Now, I can't remember the last time we did this, Flora, you gave us a forecast for base rate peak. Remind me. So uh, last time we did this, I said the the base rate would peak at 4%, but I did say there was a a 50% probability of that. Love it. Okay. It's likely that uh, next week we could see the Bank of England go above that at 4.25%, which is actually now where the OBR is forecasting a peak and actually what sort of markets are saying. I think a lot of that's due to recent news, but also the fact that we're expecting inflation to come down um, much sharper than initially anticipated at the end of last year. So some of the measures announced today will go some way to support that. So the energy price cap is going to stay at 2500 for another three months, among many other measures. And actually, the OBR's latest forecasts show that inflation would be around under 3% by the end of this year. And that's within the Bank of England's 1% leeway either side of that 2% target. So that's quite a a sharp slowdown in inflation and actually under 1% next year. So I think that's adding to the rhetoric that the Bank of England may take a pause for breath, particularly after next week's interest rate decision. All right, so 4.25. Do you reckon the OBR had chance to factor in the uh, Silicon Valley bank collapse into their thinking? As that uh, sort of only transpired over the weekend, I think it's unlikely that that played a huge part in their forecast. But I think it will be something that's on a lot of central banks' minds. You look at what's happened in what markets expect for the Federal Reserve. Just last week, the market was pricing in around... 70% chance of a hike of 25 basis points with the remainder for a 50 basis point hike. Yesterday, it was around an 80% chance of a 25 basis point hike and the remainder for none. And then when I look today, the market's saying about 50-50 split on whether they will hike at all. So I think the overall pause for breath rhetoric is gathering momentum, particularly in the US. But I think um, because of a lot of the more hawkish sounds coming from Andrew Bailey and others, we may still see that 25 basis point next week and then maybe a little bit of a pause. We're going to get to the budget in a second, I promise everyone. But Tom, that Silicon Valley Bank story, obviously potential implications for interest rates, which will play out for housing markets. But is there a bigger issue here in terms of central bank and regulatory kind of focus in terms of the banking sector? I think you've had a period where central bankers were arguably asleep at the wheel. They've then woken up and have seemed to have pretty much across the board started hiking quite aggressively. And this, I suppose, is the first real 
sign that there are consequences to that. So I wouldn't say that it's the impact's going to be huge, but I think it's got to kind of temper interest rate expectations in the in the medium term, even though I think the Bank of England may well nudge the bank rate up above 4%. I think it's probably, along with other bits of news that came out of the budget, I think it's it's probably calmed nerves slightly to some extent in the housing market, particularly around mortgage rates and interest rate expectations. And let me push you, Tom, go on your forecast for rates. I think four and a half is, is a reasonable assumption. A bit more bearish than, um, than Flora. So, Tom, just thinking about the budget, top line, any impact from what the Chancellor said or the OBR in terms of the housing market? Well, a common theme seems to be emerging so far this year, which is that things are a lot better than than we thought they would be. That said, there were some pretty apocalyptic forecasts doing the rounds last year from the Bank of England and, and others. And so far this year, none of that really has seemed to have come to pass. So better news on inflation expectations, better news on the economy and the fact that we know, as Flora mentioned, we, we won't likely be entering a recession this year and all that adds up it has an incremental impact i think on around sentiment in in the housing market which at the moment is pretty strong buyers and sellers really have i think just accepted that we're in a new normal for interest rates a lot of the market is driven by people who need to move and so we're seeing horizons price expectations being adjusted budgets getting trimmed but on the whole the market at the moment's in a, in a in a pretty good place it's it's solid it's not by any means a particularly strong market or one that's going to run away with itself but it's it, it's a solid market and what we've heard from the chancellor on wednesday i think around what the obr are looking at this year i think it just sort of adds to that general vibe of positivity that there is in the market so no specifics then in terms of uh, announcements that the chancellor made you think well, curiously, the, the OBR have increased their forecast in terms of where they think house prices are going to fall. They think they're going to fall by an, an extra percentage point compared to what they forecast in November, despite all of the sort of more positive news around the economy. That is a slightly curious thing to come out from the budget, particularly when they're looking at interest rates also coming down. I think mortgage rates at the moment are heading down. Banks, I think, have been, the larger lenders have been slightly spooked by the, the last two months of mortgage approval data. And are thinking now about market share, and I think they're going to become increasingly competitive with their rates, certainly in the short term. So we might start to see rates edge down slightly. But I think overall this year, lenders are really going to be tinkering around the edges. So a few basis point movements up or down isn't going to make a huge difference. But what is going to make a huge difference is that the ship has now steadied, and we're just talking about tinkering rather than pulling 40-50% of their product from the market, as we saw at the back end of last year. So I think nerves have really settled down, I think, from that point of view. Thank you, Tom. Ollie, let me bring you in. What was in the budget to make house builders and developers excited? I wouldn't say there's anything to make them excited. A couple of indirect announcements, particularly around things like, like investment zones, We've been here before, of course. I mean, they first reared their head in the uh, mini-budget at the, the tail end of last year with Liz Truss. Arguably, you know, at the time, it was a, a policy that was pretty well received by industry. But the, this time around, it, it looks like there are a few key differences. First, uh, around scale. So the Chancellor on, on Wednesday announced uh, the, the creation or potential creation of just 12 investment zones this time rather than 
this kind of almost unlimited number that we were talking about previously. And then also, and, and I think this is a key difference from a house builder and a development perspective, no, no mention this time round around things like the liberalisation or the, the loosening of, of planning rules within those zones, the focus uh, this time very much on tax incentives for business or, or funding for skills or, or specialist support. Now, I suppose the, the point is that that's not to say that they're not going to be attractive as places to build homes or that we won't see interest from developers in those those areas. You know, on, on the contrary, I think if you're creating these knowledge hubs, particularly around universities, then housing has to go hand in hand. And, and that is something which is across all tenures, so private sale, but, but also rental. But the initial read is that the policy itself probably doesn't go as far as the one put forward back in uh, at the end of, of last year. So nothing to get hugely excited about from a developer perspective, but a, a couple of indirect announcements. There was also buried away in the, the accompanying documents a little bit of welcome news around nutrient neutrality and the government looking into ways that it can um, help support developers to meet their requirements around around nutrient neutrality with with some kind of localized credit schemes but more detail from that hopefully will be forthcoming in in the next few weeks and that issue that final issue which sounds quite niche but it's been a massive issue for developers um, particularly for house builders is that something which has prompted i think there was in the obr forecast there was a jump in net additions buried away is that something which may have prompted it Perhaps. I mean, I think the, the jump in the, the OBR forecasts in, in net additions across the UK, which, which they're expecting this year and, and, and also, I suppose, to an extent, a hangover into the next financial year is, is something that is a little bit surprising from our perspective. I mean, I mean, certainly our experience is that developers over the last 12 months, perhaps even slightly longer, have faced a, a myriad of pressures around the end of help to buy, around build costs, around that general slowdown that, you know, Tom mentioned that we've seen in, in the housing market more generally. And the reality is that as a house builder, or as a developer, you, you will only build what you can sell. And, and any expectation that there is going to be a slowdown in the market or that transactions are going to take a hit is going to have an impact on, on what gets delivered. So, I mean, certainly our expectation is that we we probably aren't going to see that jump in, in net additions that's put forward in the, the OBR figures. But, you know, undoubtedly, back to the point on, on nutrient neutrality, I mean, anything which uh, can be done that, that's going to unlock the kind of blockage that it's caused in in certain areas and and, uh, for certain developments is is going to be welcome and and will have an impact on boosting supply in those areas. But whether it's going to have as as big an impact, perhaps, as those OBR forecasts is a question which I don't think we're in a position to kind of answer yet. Tom, just moving away from what was there, what wasn't in the, the budget that you're expecting to see? I think there wasn't any news or any good news for landlords, not that I was particularly expecting any, but I think there's a growing sense that, particularly in the capital, tenants are having a pretty hard time with the fact that that rents have been rising so quickly. And so if policy were to be based on this sort of fundamental economic law of supply and demand, and by attracting landlords into the sector, you're going to take some of the pressure off tenants, I think that would be quite a welcome step in the right direction, as opposed to using the rental market as a sort of way of generating headlines or setting out other kinds of policy agendas. If it was actually a more focused set of policies designed to attract landlords that was actually going to bring down rents 
that I think would have been welcome. Uh, I don't think it was necessarily expected by many people, but perhaps it's the sort of thing we might start to hear as we get towards the next election. And in many ways, I think the next budget is probably going to be a bit more interesting from a policy point of view. I'm sure it'll heat up politically speaking. And so we might start to see some of these sorts of announcements. But at the moment, it wasn't addressed. So it pre- slightly surprising, but not hugely surprising. And then particularly if you look at what's happening in the sales market with higher rates, particularly first-time buyers who I think are getting hit with higher mortgage rates and who are more likely then therefore to become tenants. And so I think there's that demand, I don't think is going to really disappear anytime soon in the lettings market. But supply, I think, is something that the government is going to have to increasingly take seriously and depoliticise as an issue. Thank you, Tom. Ollie, your thoughts on what wasn't there? I think at the moment it feels very much like we're in a bit of a a policy vacuum when it comes to to house building. It almost feels like a bit of a a missed opportunity to have not heard more from the budget about the measures that could be enacted to support house building, be they around planning or something else. But it feels like there's a bit of a, we're in a bit of a policy vacuum at, at the moment. And there's a lot of talk about growth and about supporting growth and actually the the economic benefits from house building across a a range of of tenures are are pretty compelling and it does seem like an area that could have been uh, used or a policy lever that could have been used to to support that growth agenda. I wonder whether the government are only really thinking 12 months ahead at the moment and actually their sort of time frame is is really the election and actually anything that is longer term than that just isn't really in their thinking. I think I think, I think there's a bit of that. I mean, I think as we get close to the election, I think it'll, it'll be interesting to see their rhetoric. I mentioned landlords. Landlords have been demonised by this government and previous governments. And I think if that can evolve and the conversation can mature and we can look at getting more people into the sector, the, Jeremy Hunt talked on Wednesday about attracting investment into into the country. Well, why, why not include landlords in that mix but you're never going to get that because like you say to do that that includes a massive pivot right in terms of the demonization of landlords that you've seen over the last however many years and they're just you know there isn't enough time to have that conversation so I, I get your point about you know perhaps there will be something about landlords in the next budget but I just I can't like it's such an easy stick that Labour could use to beat the Tories with as they they go into uh, the new election because of everything that's going on in the rental market at the moment. So any sort of support to landlords as opposed to support to tenants is just, I just can't see how that is politically acceptable. No, politically difficult optics, but I think there comes a point where rents are rising by so much and, and by off by attracting more landlords in, then you do ultimately help tenants. Yeah, but I suppose the, the, the flip side of that argument is that by attracting more landlords in to buy up existing stock, then you're taking the opportunity away from first-time buyers. So if you are going to do anything to support the rental sector, it has to be via supporting new investment into new stock into the market. So the build-to-rent sector. I feel another podcast coming on here. <laughs> Flora, just thinking about environmental policy and uh, taxation related to that area. Anything in there this year? There was a a little bit on sort of that renewable energy generation. So they've sort of 
said that nuclear capacity they're trying to build out in the UK to provide a quarter of all electricity by 2050. So they've classified it as environmentally sustainable. But they also have said that they've started a competition for small modular reactors and that by the end of 2023, if they are found viable, the government will co-fund sort of the development and rollout of this. So there's a little bit on that side, which will be welcome to some to sort of see greater renewable energy generation. There was also some on the carbon capture side of things. So they've committed £20 billion to support carbon capture solutions, which will look to create around 50,000 jobs, attract investment in the area and help to capture 20 to 30 million tonnes of CO2 per year, which looking at sort of the UK emissions is around 6 to 8% of our total emissions as at 2021 levels. But the timeline for that investment incentives isn't clear cut, but it's definitely welcome because that that's part of the big puzzle is, is actually taking carbon out of the atmosphere. So it'll be welcome news, I think. And just a final question, Flora, just in terms of going back to that interest rate story, just looking at what's been happening with the chaos in the banking sector in the last couple of days, uh, is there a thought that actually, just thinking about those OBR forecasts for inflation, could we be thinking about a pivot downwards in UK rates earlier than the end of the year? I definitely think interest rates are going to be much stickier on the way down than they have been on the way up because, as Tom said, they were sort of caught, sat on their hands and then had to play catch-up, so hiked rates quite aggressively. Because of that, there's going to be a lot of reticence to come down. And also it means that they have more headroom in future should anything um, sort of shock the UK economy because they tend to only sort of act and reduce rates when we're in the depths of a downturn. And as the economic outlook is a much rosier than expected. And we, you know, we're not expecting that technical recession. I think, again, it's just not adding impetus for that sort of rate pivot in any great way. Brilliant. That's all we have time for today. Not a massive list of exciting changes in the budget. New investment zones could be interesting. No recession. That's probably the big one. We'll take that. And maybe a lower peak for rates and maybe an earlier pivot, potentially, maybe into into next year. Thank you very much to Flora, Ollie and Tom for joining me today. Thanks. Bye, Liam. Bye, Liam. It just leaves me to remind you all that for more analysis, you can subscribe to our research note that goes out each Monday, Wednesday and Friday or any one of our dedicated sector-focused newsletters and see our show notes for more details. And please subscribe to Intelligence Talks wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you very much for listening to this episode.